0: Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. Today, we're talking about American Gangster, 2007, directed and produced by Ridley Scott. This was nominated for an Oscar for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role by Ruby Dee. Shout out to Ruby Dee, right? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, also a nominee for Best Achievement in Art Direction, Arthur Max. Uh, we had a budget of $100 million. That's a lot of money for a movie. <laughs> for a period piece? Yes. That, that is. Wow. Um, but we had a box office at 130 million domestically and 139 million internationally, which is a total of
1: 269 million seven hundred fifty-five thousand four hundred thirty dollars to be exact. That's a win. That is a win. Yeah, yeah. that that is a win. That's uh, be able to pull that off, especially at 07.
0: Yeah. I, I think it went a little I mean that's a lot of money 100 million but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stars in there. Yeah, future, yeah,
1: ones who were on the rise for for sure because yeah. Chiwetel wasn't quite a, a you know a, a that big just yet nor right. was uh, Idris Elba
0: from The Wire,
2: right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was still maybe just coming off of wrapping that up. Mm. So, yeah. Um I even forgot he was in the film. Me too. I was like, oh. I mean, you constantly, I mean, the whole time, you're like, oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. yeah. You
0: got Ruby D. Come on. Yeah. Stealing <laughs> scenes. them, Steal Josh Brolin. Yeah, man. Dude, oh, Josh Brolin, man. Shout out to Josh Brolin, man. I,
1: I, 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 I respect. Respect his talent. I right. mean, there's a lot of talent in this film. I mean, heck, Russell Crowe,
0: Denzel. That alone. They're on the poster. Right. <laughs> I mean, two Academy Award winning. True. But before we talk further about American Gangster, let's talk about news and movies watched. What's in the news?
1: All right. So according to uh, Variety.com, there's some major shakeup happening within uh, Warner Media. Some major Mm -hmm. layoffs. Uh, Jerry Schlesinger, Ron Sanders... Kim Williams, all exiting Warner Brothers amidst a a mass round of layoffs. Hundreds of employees at Warner Media are being Uh. let go on Monday as part of a company-wide restructuring. Uh, Basically, their focus, of course, is to really pump and promote and produce content for HBO Max. Like They are pulling everything Uh, into that. Um, And since their new, let me get the guy's name right, their new chief Came in. he uh, just started making, making major changes. Yeah, 100, whew, HBO will cut 150 and 175 staffers. Wow. In the wake of the overhaul of the media company's top ranks, initiated by Jason Kellar, who took over as Warner Media CEO in May. Uh, one that saw the ouster of top programming leaders at HBO Max, Robert Greenblatt and Kevin Reilly, as well as a move to consolidate Warner Media's production operations into a single entity. Mm, Okay. So, other media companies, including Disney and NBC Universal, have enacted rounds of layoffs and furloughs as the public health crisis has sparked a recession, disrupted film and television production, and closed movie theaters. So, yeah, so major shakeup at, at Warner Brothers. Uh,
0: stream time. Yeah. Produce content and stream. Yeah.
1: On the other side of things, or one other. Uh, article, what I originally was seeking out, mm-hmm. uh, and I just came across this article, was that uh, Disney Studios, they have uh, rebranded some of their different television-based uh, properties at the theaters, changing the names of some of the different uh, TV studios. So, 20th Century Fox will now just be 20th Television. Oh, man. ABC Studios and ABC Signature will simply just be ABC Signature. And uh, Fox Twenty One Television Studios has been renamed as Touchstone Television. Of course, Touchstone being one of Disney's uh, spin-off spinoff um, film houses back in the day. Mm-hmm. They had like but, the rated R stuff. Mm-hmm, but now they're now Touchstone Television. Wow! And they brought it back. Yeah. So part of the part of their deal when this merger happened was that Fox's name would be taken off stuff, and that was revealed in the article as well. Wow! The Just world is changing. Take so name, is media. Rebrand it. Just put your stamp on it.
0: Same stuff,
3: yeah
1: <laughs> for real, have you noticed on uh, like on Disney plus you mm-hmm. know they've started like every weekend for the past i'd say three weeks mm-hmm. they keep adding like the the old fox x men movies
0: no, I didn't know that yeah
1: yeah they Are they, they pg
0: they're p g thirteen though right? yeah they're all p g thirteen but okay. they've
1: been they've been adding them in nice like, all right here's finally yeah here's here's apocalypse, here's days of future past mm-hmm. here's. I don't know which one they added recently. Maybe it was X, maybe the original X-Men, maybe X2. I I didn't really look that closely, but yeah, they're being added into the library. Like, okay, you know, we, we got this, we own this. So I'm like, oh, right, get yours, make yours.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting. It is interesting. Um, Did you watch any movies? Speaking of movies.
1: No, man, I didn't watch. From the time of our last recording, I had not watched any films. I thought about getting into uh, Umbrella Academy season two. I've heard some good things about that. Uh, again, as I've discussed again this weekend, I was I was up in the uh, Marvel's Avengers beta. <laughs> so I was I was in uh, in that world, enjoying uh, enjoy my
0: time in there. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, for me, uh, watch the No Limit Chronicles, which is Master P. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Master P. Hip hop mogul made history, still making history. Um, and it's just kind of chronicling how he came into the music game and it's a he has a very interesting past and present and for someone like that to survive all that there are some parallels to like our frank lucas character and master p is very interesting Hmm. all you know and uh master p like a lot of his um grandparents follow everybody military all from the military so like integrity hard work all that stuff kind of like that's where they kind of live by. So his hard work and stuff, and it, it makes sense that he's so successful. Mm. But anyhow, yeah, they uh, we we watched four episodes, and then they should be releasing like the last three over the next week. Okay. So sort like kind of like what they did for uh, the Last Dance, where it was like two every Sunday or whatever. Uh, but it it's been a major hit uh, for BET. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, it's the most streaming like show they have, and Matt has been making a lot of news lately because of his new products so like he has what like new products What's so he has of? like a like a like a ramen noodle so he has like a ramen noodle and then he's also behind the wrap snacks so if you ever went to the gas station and seen snacks it says wrap snacks or chips and it has like wrappers on the front he's been part of that company for years that and then he had <laughs> he said instead of buying like uncle ben's and all that stuff you could buy mac <laughs> He's got, like, a, like this Masterpiece. Rice. I think it's called Masterpiece. Rice. I don't know, but it's a picture of him. He said, Instead of making these other people, you know, rich and stuff like that, buy Master P's rice. And he's got, like, a picture of himself <laughs> selling rice. He's got a lot of products, you know, sneakers and everything, dude. Entrepreneur. At one, at one point in time, the company was worth $450 million. I believe that,
1: man. He, um, I mean, just, man, you talk about, like, rags to riches. Like, just just grinding it out. I remember yeah. when my, my cousin... Uh, he was. He had everything. P was dropping, and their their photoshopped, you know, plastic CD cases. You know, he got man, man, you know, conscious daughters, and and just like but whatever the next one group was, he, wow. would, he he had them like just man. You know, people can coming get enough out? of it, man. Oh, he would just talk through it. and I was like, uh
0: huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Man, it was
1: just like my brother in law used, used to. He he was he used to be big into it. He yeah. used to be that man. He'd see murder and <laughs> silk the shocker with his <laughs> unique rhyme style. Yes. and cadence. Uh, yeah, man. That's I, that's gonna be. I might try to see if I can. Um, Let's see if I can
0: access that. I'm, I'm I'm interested to watch the story. Yeah, and and, and it's inspiring, about. man. It's it's almost like the were you inspired by the Mike, the Michael Jordan story. Yeah, you were. Where were you? In, was it were you inspired to do something afterwards? There's been a lot of things that have been inspiring, uh, <laughs>
1: inspiring of, of late in the midst in the midst of a pandemic, you know, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, so. it, like, what did it inspire you to do? Did it make make you did it turn into action after watching the Michael Jordan documentary? Because some documentaries kind of have that effect. Uh, I think I think
1: it's, you know, Again, like right now, I'm looking at going back for my master's. So. Uh, It's a combination of things that have been inspiring me. It it wasn't just that alone, but Mm -hmm. that it's an inspiring story. But there are multiple things that I'm looking and reading and and listening to that have have been inspiring me in the midst of just the kind of time that we're in right now. And the the pause of it all makes certain things, I think, impact you even more. But yeah, I'd say more nostalgia as a as a whole. But I was impressed with individual stories, like with yeah. you know Pippin's story, kind of where he came from. I had no idea what his family was going through, and yeah, him trying to secure that, and just with MJ, just I knew good you know good amount of parts of, of his story, but I didn't realize just how you know what he had done in North Carolina. I knew about the shot he had made that was a big deal, but I didn't know that was the one to win the championship. And yeah, just seeing the progression all the way through, it's like man this guy's just just sheer drive
0: yeah i think uh from the mj from my uh michael jordan's documentary i think what i got out of that one is just what are you willing to sacrifice to be the number one the top of your craft whatever that is whatever industry you're in what are you willing to sacrifice what time are you willing to put into being the best in your industry and are you even leaving a mark in the industry um that's what i got out of that one yeah but out of this documentary my speed that it's inspiring to like okay you know, we are in business. We we have different ventures. So it was like, OK, what are you focusing on? What can you grow? What can you scale? You know, what can you take out of from this? Because this is somebody just he did have uh, talent in, in basketball and things like that. But right. this is somebody that took that hard work and put it into something that people thought was nothing and was able to make hundreds of millions out of it. He found his
1: target market. And that was so key. Mm-hmm. My cousin was his target
0: market. And he was, but just, here's the thing: it was like he didn't have a market at first, because <laughs> before, before like his fourth album, maybe they were, <laughs> no one was buying it, because sure. he came out of the Bay Area and people were like, it was this country sucker?" They were, you know, t- literally tossing this stuff in the street, like this mm-hmm. is trash. But to stick at it anyway, like, exactly. It's like again,
1: until he found his market, he was probably just going, just putting it out everywhere until. Maybe, maybe more Maybe his market found him, his audience nah, found him.
0: No, what he had it. And this is why I like kind of like the hustlers, you know, the hustlers in the game. They they are not afraid to go put stuff in their trunk and go and find it. Like Wu Tang did. Yeah, and even MC Hammer, like, you know, willing to put it in the trunk, sell it. Will it be books, t shirts, whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did was he included people that were in the Bay Area onto a compilation disc. That's right. Okay. And so, and then insert <laughs> right. it, insert himself. So now everybody wants to be on this compilation, down South Hustlers, and all this other stuff, you know. So for the West Coast, they have their version of a compilation CD who are, you know, just insert yourself. So you're part of the roster.
2: Right. You mix. Yeah.
0: And then you're named among. Do the, and that, the compilation thing is what blew, what, actually not blew him up, but what got money in his pocket from music then the down south hustlers you know added all the people from the south put it on a compilation more money you know and then let me go ahead and drop ice cream oh no tru and all this. it was tru and all those stuff and then ice cream man very interesting story man it's inspirational just like you know what i got i got talent <laughs> let me go push something so anyhow i watched that and then uh as far as like books i'm reading right now because Media, you know, it's crossover between, you know, books and screenplays, stuff like that. Uh, Fight Club, which we did cover Fight Club. We did. Fight Club 2 is a graphic novel by Chuck Polinick. Hopefully I'm seeing his last name right. But uh, it was okay. It, it was it was decent. It was all right. There's some things in there where it's like the actual author is in the graphic novel and they're like totally breaking that fourth wall and he's part of the story. So I'm just like, ah, what? You mean like author or the narrator? The author. Oh. Yeah. Shaw is in the
1: book. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like Yeah, it was it was Yeah. Hmm. So I was I'm like eh. that's, a little, that's that without having read it or anything like that, it sounds
0: a little indulgent. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, still work- going to watch part three. I mean, I'm still going to read part three, though. The graphic- a There's okay. a third one. There's a graphic novel. What was you about to say, though? I'm still working my way through The the Color of Law, the audiobook. I took
3: mm-hmm. a little
1: break because was, it was kind of depressing me straight up. Yeah.
3: Like, oh, give, well,
1: us a,
0: give us a quick synopsis of what that is.
1: Uh, so The Color of Law is a book written by Richard Rothstein, and it deals with basically the The simple fact that a lot of times we think that segregation in America happened just by individuals saying, oh, you know, white people saying, oh, I don't want to live by black people and and, and white, flat and things of that nature. But this book categorically, unequivocally, systematically, state and federal government made laws, made regulations, stipulations to... When you did have integrated communities, you know, at the beginning of the, uh, you know, of the uh, 20th century, mm-hmm. right? We're in the 21st century, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the beginning of the 20th century, where are we? Yes, where are we? Uh, they began to make laws to, mm-hmm. uh, to separate different communities that were already integrated. Uh, but also, when the wars happened, they went ahead and began to separate people as they came to places to, to, to build and prepare weapons for the war. But then even after certain wars ended and people wanted to improve quality of life and we have all these veterans coming back and mm-hmm. want to use the GI bills. We had the first uh, suburban areas being constructed and there's a whole area that was being built, Reginald, and without any buyers yet. No buyers for the homes, but yet they were able to have the federal government involved, banks involved, with the one big stipulation that you could not sell to blacks. Ooh. And so... That's
0: built in. That's built in. The Absolutely,
1: one hundred percent built in. This is federal government, ladies and gentlemen. This is not conspiracy. All this is documented. And the the crazy thing at the end is that it's like kind of glossed over. And so anyway, all the dynamics of it basically comes down to the ghettos were created because blacks were forced to stay stay in those areas. They weren't upkept because they, they were they were originally when we talk about assist not, not assisted living. When we talk about um, affordable housing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we hear it now. And I think we have a totally different context of what that means. But back then to get into affordable housing, you had to like show a marriage license. You had I mean, it was all these situations. It was it was for middle class families, white, and black. It was like you had to get into the program. Yeah. And it was kind of there to start you off. But over time. It became something different. And as blacks were kept in areas and and as these suburbs were being built, they had things in their contracts saying that you couldn't build landfills or dumps or or places of waste in a certain mile radius. So then they would then be sent into the into the ghettos and the inner cities. And so, I mean, just so many things, dude, you have schools. Uh, There was a a story about in Austin. There was. There, there had been a school that was integrated. Then they decided to then separate it, and then they were going to build a new school, where mainly kind of where the whites were. But some blacks had saved up enough money, moved out that way. And if you were going to live in a white neighborhood, number one, you had you you were risking number one, just being attacked by the residents because yeah. there's a constant talk of oh, if the blacks moving in, then property value is going to drop. Malarkey. Because blacks who had earned enough to get there, number one. They were gonna they were going to be quote unquote on their best. They're gonna be their best to mm-hmm. be there. Secondly, they had to actually earn like an upper middle class person because they were gonna be charged more to live there. Higher interest rates, just just charged more in general, just to get into the neighborhood. Yeah, but anyway, it's yeah. man, <laughs> it good. is it is heavy, it is it's eye opening, but it's also man, it's it's crazy depressing when you see that, man, our government did this federally. And statewide. And yeah. even even once regulations begin to come, then by then the mindset of the people in those areas had already been, oh, we got to keep black people out. And then others. Again, we talk about schools, schools within, you know, all we right, we're going to put a black school over here over by the projects? So then that black family that had moved to the other side of town. And if their school was a segregated school, they then would have to either not have their kids go to school or be forced to move back over by the projects to have their kids go to that black school over there. Wow. Insane, dude, insane. um But you know, still working through that. I'm also, i have also I've been reading quite a bit of graphic novels. We, I've been reading a lot of Moon Knight. Um, mm. Like I, man, I tore through his early 2000, early 2000 run, mm. um which is woof, man. That that's some. That's a pretty some pretty good stuff. He's a he's he is one of the most fascinating characters. He's vigilante, but he kind of walks the line, and, and this. Block that I've been reading through. i I, I finished one run, went to another one, and it's there is an interesting arc that's happened because mm-hmm. different writers come on, all that kind of stuff. But he is a character that is, you know, slated to have his own uh, Disney Plus television show. Oh, really? Yeah, and an- I, animated or real? It'll be live action, really? just like yeah, it's gonna just like She Hulk, Moon Knight, uh, Miss Marvel, aka Kamala just Khan. Hand it over, yeah, hand and it all, all over, all he, all tied to the give MCU. Give me all that. Yeah, all tied to the MCU. And again, I've been a Moon Knight fan for since I was a kid. Oh, okay. I'll show you when we get done. I've got a I got a people's
0: dreams are coming true, literally.
1: Dude, I have a Doctor Doom figure Mm because Moon Knight wears a a, a hood and that kind of stuff. I have a Doctor Doom figure that I painted when I was a kid to be Moon Knight. That I I looked at my Marvel Universe comic book and I was like, I could do this. Yeah, yeah, looks (laughs) looks terrible, but I I still have him, you know. And recently, he got a, a exclusive figure through Walgreens. And I've got a good looking Moon Knight now. So to see the next year, I'm like, yeah, you talk about dreams come true. I'm like, dude, this is
0: I like to, it's, uh, nice. it's good. Uh, thanks for sharing the reading. Um, it's important to read. I kind of want to start introducing that a little bit more to filmmakers because mm-hmm. as we um, dive into more filmmakers and directors and writers, you see how much research goes into whether they're adapting something from a book or from real life. And how much research and writing you have to do in order to get these stories and get them in, into the format that's in the screenplay format.
1: Definitely. And especially if you're I mean, like I said, with any kind of literature, you're going to have to do your your homework because yeah. whether it's a real person who has a, a lineage and a history behind them or again, if you're talking about you know these comic book characters getting up again, I'm a long time nerd. And when you make these films you can have different takes on these characters, right? They're, Mm -hmm. they're always being quote on, they're always being adapted in different ways, but then you figure out how do we take a character with sometimes 80 years of history Lord, and, you know, or even 40 or 50 or 60 years. And how do we condense and and tell a story within a two hour movie or maybe over, you know, 80 hours. if they're going to be, they're going to have a show, um, how do we how do we introduce a, an arc, right? What 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 cast of characters do we bring in supporting cast, right? Mm-hmm. Because it can't just be that main character, right? No. What supporting cast members? So then you got to figure, okay, well, what you know, am I going to take a certain artist or, or a certain writer their their particular run and mm-hmm. use elements of that, or am I going to combine things from multiple runs and see what we come up with? So yeah, the reading is is pretty pretty paramount for for you writers out there. Yes
0: yes yes indeed um today's show is sponsored by natural hair the movie by grind matter films available for purchase and rent on
1: amazon prime video services as well as vimeo on demand please give
0: it a watch and leave a review now let's jump back into the show Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about American Gangster, 2007, directed by Ridley Scott, and he also produced it, along with some other producers, of course. Let's jump into the synopsis. Harlem drug dealer Frank Lucas rises to power in corrupt 1970s New York, equaling and surpassing the notorious mafia families with the reach of his empire. On the other side of law... Honest cop, Richie Roberts, dedicates himself to taking down the most dangerous man walking the street. Lucas X, with impunity, smuggling heroin into the U.S. in coffins of American soldiers killed in Vietnam. American gangster.
1: And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be... Spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this film and what did you think? So the first time I watched this film, actually, uh, you and I had found a, a sale going on at a, at a half price books. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I picked it up just very inexpensively, uh, maybe like <laughs> a dollar for the, the DVD. And yeah, that's when I first watched. That was years ago. I mean, yeah. We're talking 2013? 13? Probably like 2013. 20, yeah, 20, 12 to 14. 12. Yeah. Between 2012 and 2014. Wow. So I scooped it up, watched it and thought it was good. I didn't even realize, you know, I didn't really know really Scott got like that back then. Yeah. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I was like, wow, and I'd watched, you know, I'd watch some of the behind-the-scenes features and, you know, looking at it now, coming back to it, just seeing the cast, I mean, of course, everybody, you know, knows Denzel and, uh, of course, we know Russell Crowe, but all the other actors who are making, I mean, of course, Cuba as well. Yeah. But, you know, Chiwetel Ejiofor Ford and uh, Idris Elba, um, T.I. Common, oh, whoa, it's a tour de force,
0: man. Yeah, of of amazing, amazing talent. Um, you got Ruby D that gives uh, Frank Luke, uh, Frank Luke characters a heart at least.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, and of course, also again, our, our man Josh Brolin up in the mix. Yeah, like, Dirty Cop. Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I enjoyed revisiting um, revisiting the film, and I, I actually I want I want to watch the extended. Uh yeah. Yeah, I want to watch the extended cut. I was tempted but I
0: was like no. Yeah, I didn't have time. It's long enough. Yeah.
1: But I'm 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 so I think I think originally that's the version that I watched. I think this is my first time watching really? the theatrical. Yeah, I think I I went for the extended cut the first time I watched it because I remember the very end mm-hmm. is slightly it's slightly different if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh and i I mean I might just fast forward. I might play it at 1.5 <laughs> speed or something like that, but
0: uh I just want to see the scenes that make up the extended cut and then have something kind of break that down that's not a bad idea yeah yeah because there's so much going on and the scenes are so interesting that it's like i don't even remember what was in there you know what i mean like unless it's, it's something if unless it's just a scene that just straight up sticks out
1: i think may i just watch the last the, maybe the last scene because i mm-hmm. know for sure that's different yeah just like slight, slightly different uh, so that might just be worthwhile taking in okay. how about you man
0: um i watched this it had to been within a year that it came out whenever it was first like on dvd blu-ray was over at cousin's house just hanging out and it was playing in the background and we kind of watched it but i I wasn't really into it and i never really was into at one point in time just like gangster movies like that because it was too real you know you, you know friends and people that are into things and you're just like this isn't Glamorous. You know Mm. what I mean? Sometimes I feel like Hollywood glamorizes things and tries to make it. I'm just like, I'm not interested. Yeah. Kind of like the slavery thing. It's like, (laughs) I'm like, nah, I'm good. Um, So the only scene that I remember that I could recall, because Ridley Scott talks about the difference between like movie, uh, what, a a movie, a film. film And, you know, what do you remember? What do you take out of it? You know, does it stick with you? The scene that stuck with me was Denzel Washington shooting the man in the head. I don't know why it stuck with me Mm. from that time all the way up to now because I remember that. You know, now that I know, you know, more of the actors and now for me, really Scott, the work, I was like, dang, he shot Ildris but in the head. Right? (laughs) That's messed up. But at any rate, um, so then I didn't really care too much about it, but I actually enjoyed this time watching it. You know, as an older person, uh, watching it, understanding the necessity for rules and things like that. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it this time around.
1: Nice, so, yes, yeah. nice. I always, well, the scene that stuck with me was the piano scene where he just, it's just, It
0: <laughs> just beating the brakes off people. You yeah. Know?
1: Cause you, I mean, you should be going to see like Denzel like that, like just brutal like that. Yeah. Like man, he was, yeah. With the piano, piano, man. Yeah. Okay.
0: When, when did training day come out? Do you remember? See, I was
1: look, uh, let me double check on that. Cause I'm curious. Cause uh, we covered that one. If this one came
0: after the fact. Because he was like on a little gangster streak. So, training date, eh, 2001. Wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, we've seen him be like gangster. You know, he broke bad. Yes.
2: <laughs> He's like, I like
0: this. Let me do equalizer. Let's do three of them. How many equalizers has he done, too? Two. two. Okay. It's a franchise, for goodness sake. Yes. I think he likes it. And that's his first like sequel that he'd ever done.
1: Really? Like, yeah, because Denzel like normally is the thing he doesn't do sequels. I think that may have been his first that was his first sequel. I wonder if he had some saying. back in on that. Maybe. I still <clears throat> excuse me, I still need to see the that sequel. I I, I, I like the first one good you know, good enough. So Ain't
0: nothing wrong with a little killing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you say so.
1: <laughs> oh, Time man. for a little murder.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you like about the uh what'd you like about the film specifically?
1: I like how calculating Frank is. The fact that he that he came up under his mentor, saw opening in the market Mm -hmm. and decided just to go for it. I mean, travel across the country no, excuse me, across the world (laughs) and make it happen. And then you juxtapose that with Russell Crowe's character with with Richie and how he's just, you know, trying to hold it down, but he's flawed as well, right? Yeah. He's not a, he's, he kind of reminds me of what Al Pacino's character said in, um, Heat.
0: Oh, Heat. He that, was high as a kite. I love that character. Yeah,
1: he's so <laughs> wild. But he basically is like, he's given his everything to his job. Mm-hmm. Where he, almost does not have anything left for his, for his, his family. Yeah. You know, his wife is, you know literally having an affair while, while he's there whereas with you know he just doesn't have time He and his yeah. wife even tells him you don't I have see, room for us
0: I see what you mean his life is falling apart but the cop thing
1: is That's going his, good that is his life yeah
0: that is 100% his life
1: everything else is just you know is is, is trappings mm-hmm. and so I like the, the juxtaposition how their stories were were pretty clear and then they really don't intersect until really like towards the I mean really towards the end Sometimes they actually come in contact with each other. But the way all that just builds up, you know, Frank building his empire as as, as sad and wicked as, as as it is, because he's destroying his, his his people. Yeah. Uh destroying the black community with with this with this product, with little to no remorse, which is sad. Um but yeah, just it's it's I think the storytelling is very clear and concise, and the mm-hmm. and and the 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 costumes, the look. Yeah, true. The, the, they nailed it. Oh man, absolutely nailed it. And even like the some of the score. I actually ended up looking up the soundtrack on Amazon Music, and there was there's there's one piece of score that they play, as I think it's as 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 Frank is first coming maybe back from vietnam and maybe mm-hmm. like when he's got he's got the disguise fro on everything he's kind of yeah. just watch people there's a
0: yeah cause that was early on yeah yeah uh-huh. there's
1: a there's a just a track that they play i was like man that's that's hitting
0: <laughs> so how about you um i enjoy like the business overtones you know i was coming from a, a, a university specializing business enjoy that you know the principles of branding great product importing mm-hmm. competition and even customer service um, it's, um, Mark Cuban calls it uh, business is like the the best game in the world, you know, in his book uh, How to Win And it's because it's, no matter how old you get or whatever, you can always compete you know, but it's 20, 24-7, 365 mm. um, so yeah, I really enjoy that aspect of it and you see that early on it through his mentor as he explains the importance of business even being to the point where he's dressed so conservative, but like, man, this guy could easily be on Wall Street or, you know, any other venture.
1: Right, because he, he would find the loophole. He would find yeah. the demand, the need, and he would press in. And, I, well, I think also what made it possible is that because it's organized crime, there's a degree of force. It even says in one of the—I don't know if you are any of the behind-the-scenes stuff. No. Yeah, I've watched it. There's quite a bit.
0: It's, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's it's actually— I wish I would have had some more time to um to devote to it. Sure, sure. It's worthwhile— which would have made more time
1: too. Yeah, it's worthwhile like, going back and checking out. There's like an hour and a half. Man. Or, or I would say an hour. I think mean, it's an hour, a little over an hour. But it's a, it's the backup, like a making up. And, mm-hmm. and Ridley's diving in deep there, wow. getting some great nuggets. There's there's even a something called Case Files. Yeah. Where literally you have a, a six minute or so scene of Ridley on the phone with the writer, uh, with Stephen uh, Zalian. Mm-hmm. And a couple other and Ridley's in Ridley's office, along with uh, with uh, Richie Roberts, right? Richie Roberts. Yeah. Along with Richie Roberts mm-hmm. and a couple other people, where well, they're given basically giving Stephen notes on just a couple of different scenes that they, you know, as far as how they played out, just according to what Richie remember, here, you know, here and there. And so they're talking through that
2: and like, wow. just giving
1: them giving them notes. Uh, then there's some stuff they talk about the production. Just yeah, it, it's it's a pretty deep dive. Even some mm. some of the more action oriented scenes, like the big shootout, like kind of how that was thought out and, and how that was blocked. And
0: yeah, yeah, a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah,
1: man. It's, it's a, a a wealth of, it's a good purchase. If you're looking, if you're looking to take a a deep dive into how this thing came together, this, this is pretty packed. And again, I'm, 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 mine's the dvd has two two dvds because okay. it was so much you know versus i'm sure the blu-ray
0: has it all just compiled. one disc yeah. and i went on and purchased it i was like this is a good purchase. I'm like 5.99 like let me go on snatch that yeah, oh, yeah i wonder how it looked in it mind. looks beautiful oh man that might be i might be worth just it, saying circle back around it for. looks good looks real good um what did you think about the commentary in general by the time you listen to this episode, yeah,
1: you have listened to our hundredth episode. Boom, and, and and you know how
0: I feel <laughs> about Ridley, Ridley and his commentaries,
1: and he does not disappoint here.
3: True, true.
0: He he he's is, come up the ranks and like you know. I started thinking about. I I literally said I, was like, I might have to change my commentary yeah. Yeah. I, I, favorite commentary guy out because uh, I forget. You know, sure. i was like, dang, Ridley's bringing it,
1: dude. Yeah, he's. I feel he does his commentaries. I think I think he knows who his audience is that are listening yeah. to his commentaries. That he knows he's listening to like future filmmakers. Right. And so he's going. He's he's sitting down. He's taking his time. Uh, he's in a you know it's a fairly comfy seat. You hear him kind of you know moving around. And he's
0: this sucker started eating. Did yeah, you catch he that? He had a biscuit.
1: It's two. You know, it's two and a half hours. No,
0: just pause <laughs> it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's that's gross. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> this seems I, great. I, I will I will give Ridley a pass.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I will give you a pass, Ridley, because you always bring it So, you you know, one biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> a biscuit. A biscuit and
0: some tea. <laughs> you know,
1: because uh, we've done like 6 of his films,
0: at least. Yeah. yeah I, 5 to yeah, 6 of his films. So, Phil and Louise, Aliens, Gladiator, uh what's the other Alien film? Uh, Prometheus. Oh yeah. Uh, Alien
1: Covenant? Was that him yeah. too?
0: Yeah. Ooh.
1: <laughs> yeah gladiator also that's right and then now that's the set six and if we're not at least six, yeah
0: we might be missing something else these are true i mean we was looking for really films at one point yeah <laughs>
1: so um <laughs> but no i i yeah his is good and, and again i i enjoyed how it's intercut with the writer coming in and sharing his his insights his research the fact that he sat down with both frank and Richie yeah. and had just a wealth of knowledge, so I mean so much that he almost like was creating almost two separate scripts. Yeah. And they eventually kind of merged, but he had he had so Richie, much of Frank story
0: Richie being the cop that Russell mm-hmm. Crowe played for the audience. Yes. Just in case.
1: Yes. <laughs> now I'm glad you clarified that. We've thrown out names like yeah. Richie. Frank. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had so much. Yeah. And he kinda of hearing his process as he worked through. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. How about you, man? What'd you enjoy about the commentary?
0: Uh, really, Scott, the tech nerd stuff, and then also like you were saying, how they were cutting back for. It seemed like it was two separate occasions, and they just kind of oh, yeah. edited on top of the film. Um, but it wasn't too self indulgent. I mean, really, Scott was tooting his own horn a couple of times, I'm like I, right, I'm a genius. Basically, is what he was saying. Uh, so he
1: somehow how his brain works.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but he said I mean, he's not really good with you know like names. But yeah, I can still draw draw the house, though. Yeah. You know, where I lived as a child. It's, it's a different kind of brain. I'm a genius. Brain. Nah. your brain's not my brain. Yeah, you no, know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, he didn't say that. But we.
0: <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I dig it, though. You know, it's uh, he's earned his stripes. You know what I mean? He's he's earned it. So and
1: I think he's also kind of let people know, like, just like not everybody can do it the way that he does it mm-hmm. as, uh, as well, because the route that he went up through is 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 different. And so,
0: mm-hmm. but he's. He, know, he's, he's prepared pro, he's what they call it, prolific you know he does so much work that it's like he's kind of got he's got it mastered and like spike right. lee too yeah it's like spike lee It's just like they're masters at this they're putting in several cameras you know they're they're mastering they just, they're just like, let's roll let's roll yeah man
1: <laughs> and again to uh come over from another country as well that's another level of uh grit determination Mm -hmm. you know and then do his thing with with i mean so many commercials that he that he shot and music videos in fact he said he was
0: in new york during the during this time he was in new york he's a renaissance dude big time yeah so i dug i dug the commentary um yeah it was it was this was a good pick good good choice smith Thank you. I'd been campaigning for you a, have a short time, and I have been dodging it. Persistence pays off, ladies and gentlemen. Pays off. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was like,
1: Meow. I was like, how about American Gangster? Insert cricket, <laughs> crickets, crickets. crickets. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. I'll try again in another next quarter. <laughs> no, but I'm glad. I, I, something I was like man I was like I, I didn't know how much you had seen or you know, under what circumstances but yeah. something something inside it. I think something inside I think I think I think it is time <laughs> I don't know why the, the, the some of the lyrics to the the whiz yeah. uh, popped in my head with the, with the tin man
0: yeah yeah
1: I look inside and say I like what I see <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it just came to mind uh,
0: but this American Gangster um, when this movie came out there was an American Gangster album by jay-z that came out at the time i was listening i was listening to jay-z's music and uh it when you get the spirit of this film is in the album too mm-hmm. like 100 you know somebody that's a hustler just breaking it down along the backdrop of 70s uh like sample soul sample music with live instrumentation is it's good whoa wow wow thanks for the check <laughs> uh, uh the tone what what kind of tone did you feel this movie cast deadly serious <laughs> literally
1: yeah this, this this is this is a uh this is a drama yeah and and it's it's so interesting to hear them talk about how they could you know we had you know black exploitation films right Deal with different kind of topics, and I'm not gonna say you know you know what's what or this is silly or this or that. I'm not gonna say that, but they were their tone is different. Yeah. Um. And even, and it, it, some some of it, some of it just may be like stylistically like different choices, like different directors were made where it's made to be maybe like pretty serious for what it is. Yeah. But just stylistically, it's it's different. And and, and, and some of it was done seriously, but just over the course of time.
0: What would you call like when uh like how Freddie Cougar over time became, parody became like a parody parody, um because when you have Melvin Van Peoples who did Sweetback, mm hmm, um uh, it was serious it was yeah. it was straight up Shaft too I, I finally saw Shaft mm-hmm. just a couple of months back mm-hmm. and I was like oh yeah you're talking about police brutality you know they're talking about this stuff up front and being real about it like hey this is what happens when these cops come into our homes slapping up women punching men taking them to jail like stuff that we know about now in real life but like we thought it might have been just movies but people are living this stuff uh but then as and that was a black filmmaker making it so it's from his perspective mm-hmm. but when um as we know from the movie that mario van peoples produced His son, which was called Badass, um, we see that that was actually very profitable. So when Hollywood realized they can make money off these black black films, you know, labeling it black exploitation, we start seeing like certain characters kind of be put to the forefront more, in like clown outfits, like yeah, stereotypical pimp stuff, and. And things like that. So
1: I'm, I need to research this, but now nah, I'm not going to go into the the, the yeah, uh, the, yeah. This I need to. I'm curious to research the evolution of the look, the actual look of clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah, o- only, really? only because
0: like when you when you look at like the the that's messed up. That's I see well, what you mean. You know what I'm saying when you look at the like the, the big the cl- nose, the, the, the fluffy right right red
1: hair. So before all that, when you think about like like Pali- I think was his name, mm-hmm. like a May may have been a French origin, but like the old school clowns,
0: yeah,
1: all white makeup, like
0: a pantomime, like the
1: yeah, like pantomimes, right? Very thin thin nose, maybe a little black, you know, little black tip maybe on the nose, yeah, you know, some ruffled stuff, but they're very dainty, yeah, right? <laughs> very dainty. Their, their clothes may be a little puffy, the suit may be puffy, yeah. maybe, maybe thin and lean, but they're very dainty. Maybe a little teardrop on the eye, you know, little small little hat, very dainty. But at some point the imagery of the clown changes to where now they've got a af- they got a you know like an orange afro or like this big hair yeah. they've got a big red nose, they've got these big feet. yeah Where did that come from? I don't know, right? what you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, 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 that imagery has been I don't know every now and then they' come in I'm like, why do the clown why do these clowns have afros, have afros these big curly hair
0: yeah
1: um and I don't know, you know, I see Ronald McDonald's. He, ha- he has a lot of, he has, a, he's like, he's like kind of in between that. Cause he has the, he yeah. has the, 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 doesn't have a, he doesn't have a nose. He but it's has painted red. Of, yeah. Yeah. He has a little red tip on the nose. I'm sure. I'm sure. He had a baby fro. I'm sure in the seventies, it probably was a bigger fro. <laughs> you know, he's got the big, the big shoes, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to look at that and say, okay, was this somehow, because again,
0: I don't know. Oh, There's gotta be a documentary on this. I'm gonna yeah. have to cut this out just in case it's a good idea. Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> Understandable. Copyright <laughs> Casey Smith.
0: Yeah. There you go. 2000. Pay that man his money. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Pay that man his money. Oh man. Yeah, but yeah, that that's been okay. Just kind of just one of those things you're like, wait, hmm, what's going on here? Hey, you never know where that road might lead you, man. in a clown
2: car how do i get out
1: how many of y'all in here when does this stop
0: (laughs) tone tone yeah we got on a tangent there man so really he actually talks about tone like as soon as the film starts he's talking about tone i'm like that's what i'm talking about really Mm. setting the tone and he sets the tone right away and it's an image of frank lucas (laughs) dropping gasoline on a person Sets him on fire while smoking a cigar, and then shoots him. Bah, 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 like, what's bah, the point? Like, like how devilish are you? Like, you just set this person on fire. That that's a long time. It takes time to do that. Get the gas, time up. You could have just shot the person at the very beginning. No emotion behind it either. Like, yeah. not
1: moved by it. Like, yeah. it a, literally a sociopathic act. Yeah. I'm just like this is this is this is everyday work. Yeah. I, I kill dudes like this on the regular. Yeah, I have no problem with the smell of burning flesh or the hollow shells that fall to the ground in rapid succession as I
0: take your life away. As a, I started getting into cigars a couple years ago. and When I look at them on the screen, I'm like, ooh. I thought about you because it really talks
1: about cigars a little bit later on, how much Denzel actually loves cigars and this and that. And I was like, I wonder how Reginald's coming along with me. <laughs> I know he's trying to make some changes. I did. I made some changes,
0: but I did indulge a, a little bit. I was gonna ask did you. Did you dip back in a little did bit? A little. Did you dabble? Did you dabble? It was a light week, but I. But yeah, when I see literally. <laughs> <laughs> when I see like uh, like you saw. Um, uh one of the Italian mob bosses uh, I can't think of the guy's name that Denzel Washington he was at his house mm-hmm. and he's got the Cuban and he's like listening to it to see if the paper how it sounds, and he just cuts him like,, can you pass one of those? Mm. <laughs> me reach of the screen yeah, <laughs> give me one of those <laughs> the power of media, yeah man, is interesting uh, but yeah that yeah that that it sets the tone right away. that is the first scene mm-hmm. we're introduced to Denzel. this is not. Fun time. No. <laughs> this is not romantic, romantic Denzel. This is psychopath Denzel. Yeah, yeah. This is you, you, you know from the jump. Oh, okay. He's
1: unabashed because that's just not the imagery that you normally see him. Just like ugh, yeah, filling someone with lead
0: Dude, while they're on fire while
1: ah! they're
3: on
0: fire. <laughs> Took him out of his misery. Yeah, uh, but he's doing this in front of his mentor Bumpy Johnson
1: who was equally, you know, not not moved by it. So you already know, okay, this guy's clearly working for someone. This guy's, you know, a gangster. Yeah.
0: Style. So the cinematic style, I saw a little bit of Crushed Blacks, which is like a high contrast. Um, what I didn't know is really Scott uses a faster stock of film, which basically means you can... You can shoot with a lot less light. Less light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it gives it gives a more natural look. And it kind of felt a little real. Shallow depth.
1: More shallow depth of field. I think mm-hmm. you said it also helps create that. Because he's using like multiple filters also. Yeah. This dude that
0: process. is getting real technical. Yeah. I, in and that moment, I was
1: like, oh, Reginald's
0: loving this right yeah. now. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. that's That, that was for you, Reginald. Appreciate that, Scott. This one's for you, Reginald. So it, it got so nerdy that I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop here. Mm. This is where I stop. This is where I get off. And <laughs> I kn- I kn- <laughs> when people start talking about the different coating of lenses mm. that's on the front of the lens, I'm like, oh, we're out. This is where we leave. Mm. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we will leave that to the DP. But you're gonna stop and just stay a while. Oh, oh this is this is my stop. Yeah. Right <laughs> now I was like, oh, no, I got what I needed, but I'm come. I'll be back. Mm. Don't you worry. <laughs> I've it on my maps I'll yeah be back. i'll be back because it is one of those if you're a filmmaker out there listening to us, uh yeah definitely come and check this out and you know especially if you're thinking about shooting on film um as i start studying haven't shot on film yet you know uh we're in a digital age 100 but you know if you can shoot on film it, it just looks so beautiful you know and the stock changes and uh to keep up with that it's like, man, you need to be working with a good DP that understands, like, what these different stocks look like. Because you can get, oh, man, you can get, you just get stuff that the digital cameras is not going to be able to capture. It's just a and different texture.
1: It's interesting also hearing them talk about how, because he mentioned something about the, with the silver that's in the yeah the, within the, the emulsion process. Yeah. yeah, and just like that, that manipulation of, mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, that's It's fascinating to, to hear. Um, I don't. It seemed like the tones were muted. Mm-hmm. As well as, of course, this is a period piece. So stylistically, sure. I mean, they really went in to capture the look of the late 60s into the early 70s. Because that, I mean, that just, that it, it, sets, the, it sets the tone um, and the style. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty on point. And even though Frank, by and large, was conservative, Frank was by and large conservative as to not draw attention to himself. You know, there were times when they needed to have some flash. So you have... Uh, the scene, like the big fight scene, like the prize fighting mm-hmm. with Frazier and Ali, where man, they've got manic. Oh, so here's what you, one thing you may not have caught that was in the special features. Mm-hmm. When they did the big boxing match, they brought in like about fifteen hundred inflatable mannequins oh. that they set in the in the in the seating. That oh, they yeah. that there was a company that actually would like they had different faces they could put on the mannequins, different. What? Yeah, and and they, and they dress them. They put them in, <laughs> in in the wardrobe. I was like, was that what?
0: cheaper than bringing people? Apparently, what? The yeah, heck?
1: and like they, they, they these this company does is they have it timed out. They know they said they, they they stay out of the way, where and then when it's their time to come in, they come in. They they bring the mannequins in. They already got up, you know, for the most part, they're they're dressed already, and they can again change out the faces on them, and had them all up there, fifteen, fifteen hundred of them.
0: Yeah, dude. I was like, Were they in the shot? Were they in the shot? Did you see them in the shot? The mannequins? Now, no, when you they really have played? they had to have been. I mean, with that, with
1: any kind of wide angle, mm-hmm. you know, shot establishing the crowd. I got to go because, back and look it now. I mean, they had a couple. They had maybe eight, nine hundred extras um, there, but then just to fill it up. Yeah, to fill it in. I mean, that fight was huge. I mean, Frazier Ali. I go was,
0: check it out. Again. That
1: was huge. So yeah, and of course, uh, stylistically, obviously, the multi cam setup that Ridley. Likes yeah.
0: to use. to... I'm a fan of that style. Yeah, for because nobody scene. can cheat. You can't. Nobody can cheat on you. Just like uh, if Denzel's doing this thing, and you got the opposite a- angle on Russell. You know he can't bull crap. He can't just mail it in. He has to be in the moment, act and react. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm a fan. Trope. Oh no, not tropes. Themes. I just got a couple of them. Um, I have a theme of ethics. Mm-hmm. And we see this when we see uh Russell Crowe's character playing Richie Robert or Robert Richie it's it Richie Roberts uh, Richie Roberts Richie Roberts uh the most dangerous thing a cop do is like at that time it was like turning in money because now because he's being an honest cop most of the cops are dirty <laughs> in the city that he's working in and so you got to have a little dirt on your hands but he's a straight a straight up and down you know straight cop edge. and because of that no other cops want to help him He's like, yo, this is that his party even tells him that's the type of cop that other cops kill. He became a pariah like, whoa. And then kind of like on the flip side, you know, kind of dealing with ethics and principles and codes. A gangster has a code as well. You know, there they have a certain thing that they live by. And one of those things is you can't really show weakness. You know, it's like when you say you're going to do something, you have to do that thing. And then you also got to let people know that you are about that life. So kind of like how the dirty cops are, but that's an asset. You have to do that in on the gangster side of things, or you'd be taken advantage of. So I found that interesting.
1: So just you talking about that made me made me think of. There's almost a theme along those same lines. There's almost a, a theme of kind of breaking code. Yeah. Because obviously Richie does that as a cop. Yeah. And then Frank does that in cutting out the middleman, which is actually the theme that I had. Was cutting mm-hmm. out the middleman, Right. which is what Frank does when he goes to to, to Vietnam and he starts, you know, going directly to the source, mm-hmm. which is in, in in direct contrast to his his mentor,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: who is at the very beginning says, you know, what right do they have to cut out all the middlemen, you know. <laughs> That's exactly what Frank does. Frank yeah. is like, why pay all these people in between when I can take this, and make this, and run this thing? And that makes him a lot of enemy. He breaks that that code, right? And yeah, makes makes a lot of enemies in the, in the same uh, in the same vein. So I just found that uh, found that interesting. What mm-hmm. uh, one will do to, I mean, literally give money back and it puts him in a horrible position. And the other goes to the source of the money, also kind of puts him in a, in, a, in a a bad position. Mm-hmm. but I guess there's, there's a respect that I guess for the drive that each of them have, that they're not afraid to do something in essence, unpopular. Then I uh, had some of the theme of family also. Throughout, yes. Whereas yeah. again, Richie can't hold his family together and he's doing everything, not even for the sake of his family um, to the point where he's actually willing to let them go so he can continue to be, a better cop a better prosecutor a better defense attorney at the time Mm -hmm. whereas Frank is to some degree doing it for his family for his for his mom and brings his brings his his family into it yeah right they become a a vital part of the operation brothers and cousins and he knows he knows that they will follow him Mm -hmm. he gets to a point where he says "All right, if y'all wanna talk to me y'all go through him like nobody talked to me directly i'm like man that's he getting upset for real I, I like seeing him upset in a couple of things he had a couple of where he knocks, yeah. knocks knocking liquids it's, over it's
0: kind of funny because it's like they this was not in the scene like it, that's what it feels like it could possibly be there but it's like oh there's a cut there let me knock it over that
1: oh you may have i don't know if you got to that part in the commentary where, they, yeah. where he talks about that
0: no, no, no. Uh,
1: I, wait did i no, what did he say? I don't remember. So, so in that scene with him and Russell Crowe with the cup, like that actually...
0: Oh, no, not that part. He knocked the cup over earlier. Well, yeah, when he's talking to his brother, right? Right. After the... After the um... He told him to take his glasses off. Yeah. He takes take his glasses, his glasses off, off and he throws it in the water, then slaps the thing. <laughs> <to> t- yeah. <laughs> you blot that. Get the club soda and you blot it. <laughs> That's $25,000 rug. <laughs> yeah, I like it when He's
2: knocking it over.
0: I quick. find my... I find myself talking about prices to my family sometimes. That costs $10. You gonna gonna treat it like that? Is that what we're doing now? That costs $10. Do you have $10? No, no you don't. I'm talking to my kids.
1: (laughs) Stuff you gotta let them know. Yeah, there's prices. Yes.
0: I'm just working for free basically. If you're gonna break everything.
1: You understand value. There's a value. There's a dollar amount to everything. That's how.
0: And then you see the guy like blotting it out. He's like... Yeah. Yeah, Okay, (laughs) listening.
1: If, uh, the actual real uh, Frank Lucas and getting some behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. he he actually says a quote. He says that, it's, it's, you know, having people respect you is one thing, but when they fear you, then they'll do, they'll really do whatever you say. Yeah. Like, that's a quote by him. Like, wow, you're creepy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you heard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the themes. Pay your, there's a, um, Kind of going with the street code, military code, cop code. There's like all these codes. But uh Frank Lucas, like, pay your bills. He talks about, he pays his bills. He pays people off if he needs to. But he does have his code. He's like, certain people, he ain't trying to, he ain't trying. Because they're bullies, you know. It's like, there's like a, you're a bully. I'm not paying you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an authority thing. There you go. Authority.
1: He Yeah. Anybody trying to have authority over him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you gonna tell me what to do alright I got you so what you gonna just shoot me right here in front of all these <laughs> uh, Idris
3: <laughs> yikes
1: yeah like man tango tango down tango down and then they say so in the commentary really says that there's a story that when he sh- when when yeah, you the gotta gangster- build that one up cause that's in trivia alright mm. <laughs> fast forward I can say it for. I can say can say for trivia. You want to say it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah just bring it
0: me. back up. Um, trope's. Uh, there's a lot of tropes here, gangster films, um, but I'm just gonna say one. Um, it's just when you disobey your own rules, and you know you're not you're supposed to follow these certain rules, they come back to bite you. That's in almost every gangster film we've seen, from the the Goodfellas to the what are the other gangster films we've seen. That we've covered. Godfather? Godfather, yeah. I Is that in black and white? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Only
1: the classic covers. The, the the special covers. That's why I was like, okay, I can get, I can give Reginald some some uh some grace on this because I realized that there are some covers that were done in the collection that they're in black and white. I'm like, hmm, okay. We were watching
3: you, Titus. We were watching you. We were watching. I had a
1: trope of the, just the, the rise of the gangster, right? Yeah, Somebody's starting off, and you see them build their way up. The moves that they're making.
0: Oh, uh, oh go ahead, go
1: ahead. I was just like corrupt cops. Yeah, and it's always something every gangster movie.
0: So I wanted to kind of go with the rule, uh, show examples of the rules that come around. So him specifically being conservative, one of his rules was not to be flashy. And he's telling his family not to be flashy. Mm-hmm. Not wearing the big hat. He he might even say you look like a clown. I don't know he, if he's... Yeah, did he, he, he say that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he's But, you know, you can see that his cousins are enjoying it. It's like, man, look, you know, they got the jewelry on, they got the hats, they got the pimp bangs, and they got the jive top. So I was like, can you dig it? Uh, but he's like, very conservative. But his wife wants, uh, Frank Lucas' wife wants him to wear this mink coat and he's like, it goes against his rules, but he, he's like, all right, for my wife, I'll wear it. And he's a player He's you know, he's like, he got his swag on and in the jacket and but the it, hat. That's right, hat to match. And hat too. Got the hat to match. Fifty thousand dollar mink. Is it mink? Yeah, um, chinchilla. Chin, is that what it called? I think so. Yeah, chinchilla. Yeah. So uh, fifty thousand okay. dollars, and it's the very thing that gets everybody's attention because you dress conservatively because you don't want attention. Now he has all the attention at the most, um, the biggest event of the year. <laughs> and you're getting the attention too. Now people are asking questions. So to go along with that, mm-hmm. one thing that Ridley or the writer actually
1: said, some would push back that it wasn't, you know, Frank says it was the coat. Oh, it was the fact that he had the coat on. Mm-hmm. But some would push back and say, it wasn't so much the coat.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: was your seat. Yeah. The fact that you had this, you had a seat right behind the press and the fact that you could then be seen talking to the mob bosses and the fact that Muhammad Ali stops and touches his hand as he's on the way to the ring. And when the cops saw that, who is that guy? Yeah. Even if he had been dressed conservatively, those connections, those relationships and mm-hmm. the visibility of that based on where he was seated, that
0: was... Equally, if not more, the reason cause again, he could have been dressed down. Now, if he was dressed down, and that happening, like, ah, oh, it's just a pastor or something. You know, who knows? I don't know. T D Jakes, I don't know. But uh, of the time,
1: who knows? Again, Muhammad Ali dapping you up, and again, major crime bosses. You as a black man, major crime bosses are, right. are hollering at you.
0: They're like right behind you. They're they're, at like,
1: minimum, they're going to be suspicious. Yeah, at minimum. But yeah, when they saw that, yeah, the and and you had the coat on too. It's like,
0: oh, yeah. The the coat just kind of rubs it in a little bit. And uh, really, Scott, I I agree with that um, seating arrangement. Because if we, um, because it's it's political too. Um, If you remember House of Cards with Kevin Spacey's character, and he's talking about the seating arrangement during the what is it when the. the, pe- the person's getting sworn in when the president's getting inauguration. Inauguration um, at the inauguration, the seating arrangement, and and Kevin Spacey's character is talking about seating arrangement and what oh. he said. I'm getting closer to the front, and then That's he waves. Right. He waves at the camera at us. That's
1: right. He gets enough to get into the shot. Yes. Until oh man, I forgot about that man. Full circle. oh
0: man. So yeah, it, it's a real thing.
1: But it, it came back to, to bite.
0: Yeah. Frank. Yes, Frankie. But for the sake of his code it was the coat for Frank's. Yeah. Frank, Frank Frank's, Frank's co- up and yeah. down. It was, a, it yeah, was a it coat. was, it was a coat. And
1: it's, you know, it's interesting in the movie, what I'm not a hundred percent clear on is whether he actually purchased the coat or was it his wife that gave it to him? The movie, it says his wife and the script his wife gave it to him. But to hear him talk, he may have, he may have made the purchase and his wife may have influenced him to make the purchase. But it's, that's what I'm, I'm not a hundred percent clear on. Not that it really matters. Either way, he decided to wear
0: it. Yeah. And- I think it was clear. I mean, I think it was unclear. Um, uh, but i just assume she bought it for him
1: in, in the movie that in the in the movie that's 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 yeah. what she oh, gave oh okay it, he gave her a, a ring or whatever and then she came out with the gift of the coat and oh, the hat oh i
0: got you i got but you
1: in the behind the scenes stuff he's talking and it sounds like that may he have, may have, he may have made the purchase Oh, Frank Lucas own. made the purchase. Yeah, that he yeah. Oh,
0: does mean it. The movie says inspired by a true story.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, man, what kind of money is she making? Because it's like, you get fifty thousand dollars. Like, if she, I'm like, what? Where does she get this money from? But I mean, you I guess remember- she could spend his money because they got cash everywhere. My, I didn't. It didn't sink in this second go around. Just how much money this dude had, and they go into I mean, all the properties and. I mean, millions, I mean, 250 million, especially during that time. Yeah. Dude. And mean, that's it, just
0: what's confiscated. He probably was a billionaire. Man, a yeah.
1: billionaire in the 70s. Yeah. That's, man, that's, that's not a term you heard often, I'm sure, during that time. No. Billionaires. If you were a millionaire, that's one thing, but yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, Um I'm trying <laughs> to think, we were on tropes. Yeah, we were on tropes, but I only had that one. Thought I had, uh, da, 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 da. but I can again building a drug empire. Not another trope. Most gangsters
0: seem like they work 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 <laughs> the drugs in. So one trope that we see in as a visual trope to show that we're coming up. Hey mom, here's the big house. That's right. We've seen that man plenty time of and times time again. Five hard beats, Labombó. Yeah, and then all the drug, almost all the drug stuff. Yeah over uh, yep. it's yours right
1: no that's true that's true yeah by 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 mom's a house mm-hmm. just to show a one redeeming quality right i took care of my took care of my mother i uh, got our house
0: uh what's your favorite scene
1: favorite scene i i, I do like the shooting of, of tango
2: <laughs>
1: because as he's talking to his Talking to his family, he's he's laying down the rules, yes. right, and what it takes, you know, you know, without your without your word, you know, then then, then you're, you're not anything. Mm-hmm. Excuse me a moment. He Just gets <laughs> up and you know, same coming from the same diner where he had already had interaction with Tango. And yes, talking about the twenty percent. They have their exchange of words, and then just I mean, it's out of the blue. I mean, he's got the gun held up to him. And you don't think, I mean, that he's going to just pull it, but all of a
0: sudden, bah! And in the streets, if you pull it out, you better use it. Well, Frank uh, was true was true to the streets. Yes, he was. <laughs> and so once Tango's
1: body falls to the ground, people are scattering, and then he he has a cup with him. He had actually poured the salt sugar. Or out. sugar. Yeah. yeah, the sugar out. Yeah, there's a sugar, sugar. He poured the sugar out and took that glass. He had every intention of killing this dude. Yes. Shoots him, sets the, the sugar container down pulls money out of Tango's pocket and then you know puts 20% of whatever that amount is mm. into that jar and says 20% and then walks off now in the commentary mm-hmm. it says that the the story goes that once Tango was shot, Mm -hmm. that his body stayed there for a couple of hours until the police arrived and that that tip or that 20%, I should say that was in that like a few
0: hundred bucks or something like that
1: was, was to pay the cops off that that was, and then nobody touched that money in that jar because they knew it was for the cops. Power. Power. That's scary. That's scary. Power. So that was one of my favorite scenes.
0: Yeah. Um, I would agree you know that's the scene that stuck with me but um, for different reasons this time because it's so jarring Like I was like one of the patrons in the, the in the cafe like oh my god <laughs> that's how I felt that'll stick with you but yeah that's one of my scenes as well it's like wow just because of the meaning of it you know and what are you willing to do? Which a lot of people are not willing to do. Like, what are you willing to do to get that thing, And that established? He's like, look, do not come at me. Do not challenge me. That was <coughs>
1: it. That 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 brought that fear. Like like Frank said, that brought everybody in line. He mm. just took out the only guy who was who was flexing as a threat. Yeah. All right, he's done. And as I'm giving the pep talk to my my family members that already look up to me, yeah. now they're like, oh. Yo, yo, he's real, and so that got them in line too. It's like, yeah, okay, he will not hesitate. He's had to do cold blood, cold blood, kill shot. Um, I, I, the scene where Richie's partner is <laughs> kill kills a guy over a drug deal, like that. I don't know just the way that plays out. That that actor, I don't. Know, I was I was so impressed with his performance.
0: His so so this actor has he's a, he has a drug habit in this film that we discover he has a drug habit he has a heroin problem no cops can help will help him he's a pariah like you said just like Russell Crowe is because of they turned in like close to a million bucks and even trying to get heroin now he he has result to the to shooting people in the ghetto in order to get heroin and he in the ambulance snots running out of his mouth he's got tears and he's like I had to do what I had to do you know kill or be killed.
1: can you believe he he put a, he put a gun on on a on a cop <laughs> he's like just all the rhetoric he's <laughs> trying to build his case trying to build his
0: case a junkie and you just see it just like man he's there he's he's dialed in
1: and that that and, and what what makes that work so well is that we see him earlier he's very cool calm and collected yeah. you know when they're sitting and waiting he's He's melt you know there's something maybe not quite right, and he's walking some kind of line. You may yeah. think, okay, maybe he's just a little greedy, he wants some of that money, but then you know why he wants that money, he wants to continue to support to support this habit.
0: Yeah, the habit and he understands like the code of the cops. Sure, the politics behind that. Yeah. yeah he's like, We can't do that. We can't, we can't. He's like, Why am I why is this guy my partner? That's kinda of what it looked like. <laughs> For real. But yeah, that
1: just the way that plays out and and then, then Richie's fast thinking, okay, put him, you know, put the guy on the gurney, on the stretcher, open his eyes, make him look alive. Unbelievable. And then they come out just hold up the batches, you know. I'm like, wow. It's devious, but it's smart as it's smart as hell. Oh, yeah. like, where I'm like, yeah, because they were going to get eaten alive, you know. And then there's, then there's nobody to blame. No backup. We're just, we're just bringing out a victim, right? We're just yeah. bringing out a victim. We're looking, we got the best interest, you know, we're trying not to get destroyed. Unbelievable. I'm like, wow, that was, yeah, that was, that was smart. Um, but yeah, the way that played out and it's the discovery of, you're like, oh man, this partner
0: is. And when we go to the scene, uh, Rush goes there and then there's, were those paramedics, right? They were there. He's like, D- where's your backup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, backup, they, they were concerned. I don't blame them.
1: Yeah, they should. I mean, the people, they were banging on that They're door. They're like, why don't you
0: have backup? They like, this is a legitimate question.
1: And again, the fact he tried to call for backup. We have no units in the area.
0: Yeah. He's getting no backup.
1: Yeah. They were like, screw this guy. <laughs> screw you money guy. Uh, Do you have any other favorite scenes? Nope. Uh, One last one. Uh, When Frank is pulled over on his wedding day and he has a confrontation with with Brolin, Josh Brolin's character, it's just like mano a mano. Like, who's going to flinch? Yeah. And, like, neither do. Neither neither of them really backs down. It's like, you know, even at the end, you know, he's like, Brolin tries to to throw his car. Hey, Daniel, thank Frank's like, whatever, we out of here. Like, you realize this is my most important day. (laughs) <laughs> like, just tell like, oh man this is because both guys has, have established themselves as alphas yeah and they have this confrontation You're like ooh this is not gonna end well but, but yeah I, I, just enjoy, I just yeah enjoyed that because I mean they, he's on his wedding day and you know like oh this is
0: and it's not a, good and it, he's like has that Sicilian overtone to how he runs his life so like certain days are more important I mean in general wedding is but it's like what are you asking me for you know it's kind of like yeah <laughs>
1: that's almost like maybe a theme of some of these gangster movies like the the wedding
0: you know mm-hmm. the, the big wedding yes indeed yeah the wedding and uh and just like the just the family the whole family situation um yeah any more favorite no, scene that's it my friend quotes you got any quotes and yeah. i'm a, i'm going to try to speed up because i have a lot of filmmaking tips okay we're well, we'll, we're at an hour and 14
1: i got a couple <laughs> of quotes. A heads up um. Hey, we might go over Oh well No biggie No biggie I'll take it I've got a quote I'll take it and I'm like where, where, where did that come from
0: What was that I'll then?
1: take it I'll take it I don't know now <laughs> I don't know I'm like <laughs> Where was <is> that from <laughs> uh, it's, early, it's early on In the film I'm trying to think If it's when he's When he's buying The heroin Overseas
0: I'll take it. I don't know. Shoot, I I, I don't know. Um, who's a guy? <laughs> it's um, it's the brother. He's just got. Oh, when when uh, when Dinda, when Frank Lucas is at the funeral and he it's a brother who's got his hair like slicked back and got this like little mustache and he's like, uh, Bobby told me to take care, make sure that you have to. do yeah, it, yeah, Bobby. yeah. What, what's his name? I don't I don't know his name. Cause he's been he's an actor who's been around for, for yes, quite while. Yes, I still while. don't know his names. That's sad.
1: He's got his got his hair fried, dyed, laid inside. the side. <laughs>
0: Yes.
1: Oh man, these images are so small. So small. Is that him, Joe Morton? I
2: don't
1: know. Yeah, it's Joe Morton. Joe Morton. Same. He's he 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 um in Terminator Two. <gasps>
0: You got it right there. Boom, there it is. (laughs) He stole that scene. (laughs) Do you
1: did you ever see him in a movie? (laughs) Did you ever see him in a movie called The Brother from Another Planet?
0: Yeah, I remember you telling me about that though. You told me about this years ago. That That's a trip. (laughs) Joe Morton? Joe Morton. Okay. So we see our brother Joe Morton. It's in this it's in the scene. Uh, Frank Lucas, he comes in, you know, it's the funeral, and he's just kind of sitting down and kind of peeping out everything. You see the Tango guy, you know, talking to his girl and just like drinking. Then he puts a drink on a uh, the table without a saucer, a uh, coaster, and then Frank comes in, you know, wipes that, and puts it on a coaster. go get mine go get something. He said, "Go get something while you're at it." We see Joe Martin come up to him, and his voice sounds like Dave Chappelle when Dave Chappelle plays a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, you know, he's telling him, you know, I don't want to make sure that you, you know, have to worry about anything and things like that. And then Washington was telling him, you know, some people in here that owe some money, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, they pay it. And then (laughs) Joe Martin's like, that's a spirit. He doesn't believe him. He's like, that's the spirit. <laughs> Man,
1: you give it the old college try. Yes. Good for you.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: Mm. Um 20%. Yeah. 20% comes up, you know, game between him mm-hmm. and and Tango two times. 20%. Uh also so when when uh, Richie's character the first time like he's in court you know mm. with his, with his wife and he's talking to his, his his lawyer or whatever and and he's like there's a little break room yada 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 and then also when we cut to a scene where it's going at it and she's like she's like she says uh f me like a cop not a lawyer <laughs> I, I don't know like, that just that got me I just cracked up f me, no, f me like a cop not a lawyer I'm like what no what does that even mean
0: nonetheless but yeah that would that would crack me up uh, there was a scene where Frank Lucas has got all his country uh, cousins brought them in they're now in the business now Frank is showing them everything and so we go to the the location where they're chopping up all the heroin and in these locations the production facility or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. manufacturing I don't know everybody has to be naked yeah. you know we've seen that in uh, New Jack City New Jack City yes yeah. but Bucky naked everybody naked <laughs> and then you know they come in there and we see is it Red Top is that the lady's name yeah, that, that that's kind of like running things Red Top and then all the guys like T.I. and a brother from Twelve Years a Slave Chua Chiwetel one day I will remember your name uh, his his face is like what is like Christmas or something like what is this and then and Red Top I was like what's wrong with y'all I ain't never seen no coochie before <laughs> Everybody naked. Yeah. So they don't steal steal nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Why y'all
1: naked? (laughs) So also when he's uh when Frank is giving the the kind of the rundown to his to his kin folk. Yeah. He's walking down the street with him with it with that his entourage and he's saying, you know, he's talking about Bumpy saying well Bumpy was rich, but he wasn't white man rich. Mm. He wasn't wealthy.
0: Yeah. This is a powerful statement. Yes, indeed. The difference there is. I think uh Chris Rock has a joke about that. Uh, he was like, "Shaq is rich. Bill Gates is wealthy. Mm. <laughs> if Bill Gates has Shaq money, it's his wrist." Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> man, I might. I'm paraphrasing. Oh man, he even his <laughs> wrist. <laughs> uh,
1: one thing that Denzel says to his to his brother, and when he's you know him about the how he's dressed, he says, "The loudest one in the room." Is the weakest one in the room.
2: Mm. Whoa,
0: oh, man. Okay, Just okay. Again, that one rule. Yes, and we know what happens. Yes, we do. Um, I don't know, remember what this. Um, it's when Frank Lucas is talking to our, his Italian partner. Okay, uh, one of the mob families, and they're kind of talking, and it's, it's the guy that he's wholesaling um, to. He said, "You can be successful and have enemies, or be unsuccessful and have friends." Whoa. What the heck? He was talking to uh, Frank
1: about that gangster lifestyle. Yeah. Again, you know, I alluded to this earlier, but uh, Frank talking to his uh, one of his serving staff members. You block that. You block Get the get the club soda. You blocked that. You don't rub it in. You block that.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so um, Frank Lucas is going to Bangkok. To get a direct source of this heroin and the person he's buying for him from, you know, it's the end of the war. Military is going to be gone. You know, we don't know how he's going to start, how he's going to continue this thing going. And then um, the guy that's talking to Frank, his connect, his plug saying "Uh, this is against my my business interest. But, you know, she quit while you're ahead. You know, you should get out. He didn't no, I find a way. I find it. That's Frank Lucas, and he said, mm. um, He was like saying he basically tells him quitting while you're ahead is not the same thing as quitting."
1: Right. I was like, "Got a point there." Yeah, you you made it. You got you've got millions. You're
0: done. You are retired. You're
1: done. Yeah, for real. You you're not wanting. Mm-hmm. Um. So. We we mentioned that the the actress that plays Frank's mother, Ruby Ruby D, right? Yep. So in the, in the scene where she kind of pulls him aside, she's talking to him, and she's like, you know, I, I never asked you about where all this comes, from, come, all this money comes from, everything. and everything. She goes, but if you don't, you know, you you know not to not to to kill. You know, if you had become a, a doctor, your brothers would become doctors. But we know better than to kill any cops. You know, you know, <laughs> you know she will leave you. Yeah, and then she says, "I will leave you." That's just the emphasis she puts on that. It's like, "Mama Neo, "Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mama D." Yeah, Yeah. I will leave you. I was like, "Wow, there's something in that." I don't know if that was that that where the Oscar Nad came from. Just from that, I don't know. But because she's not in a lot of scenes, she's stealing them. She's just like, "Give me that, give me that." And really, really, I think Denzel told really that you know in every scene that she's in with me, she's gonna steal it. <laughs> She's gonna steal it. So it, it's interesting, also seeing two, uh, at least two actors who are also in "Do the Right Thing"
0: with Ruby D and Ozzy mm-hmm. uh, Davis. Wait, wait, say it again.
1: It's interesting seeing two actors who are, who are also in do the right thing. We That's got right. Ruby Davis, and also um, the the man no not, not da of the man no 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 uh, the one who, who's playing his cousin who's playing his brother-in-law overseas <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> yeah what did I get da of the man no that's from New the New Jack City but he does have a speech impediment and he, that's true <laughs> <laughs> <But he's> a, <laughs> that is true <laughs> <laughs> what's up with these speech impediment? maybe that's a stereotype that, I, don't, I know. don't know Maybe. <laughs>
1: So yeah, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's in the mix. Both of them are in the mix. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm sure there's probably somebody else I am be missing who's in there too. But uh, but yeah, just uh, yeah, took took note
0: of that. You talking about going to the jungle? I'm in the jungle already. They eating roaches or whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, that was that was nice. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, let, let's go.
1: Man, I, I wish I could remember where that that first quote part that was from. Oh, what? I'll uh, take it. Cause it's the first, it's the first one that I have. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Nonetheless, it's gonna bother us. Yes, because it, it.
0: Yeah. I Is it I'm one of say, the cops? Is it the cops? Is I it the Richie?
1: Know. I don't know. I'm have to start ascribing the person to the quote. may be easy to remember, <laughs> yes. but, but normally it stays. But I'm just like, uh, yeah,
0: I don't that's know.
1: too generic. I don't know. Stood out at the time, but uh, apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not enough. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: also, kind of going back to, to his uh, Bangkok connect, when he was first talking about, everybody thinks that, he, that Frank is working for somebody. He's like, so who brought you? Who are you working for? You, so you're going to take this heroin, the Asian guy saying, you're taking this heroin and taking it into the U.S.? Who's going to allow this? Who are you <laughs> Yeah. And then he, he speaks in, what language would that be? Tagalog or... I don't know. I don't know what language it would be. But he would just like He's insane. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. He must be insane.
0: He is insane. And then we go on to find out, really Scott basically says that Frank Lucas is a sociopath. Like for real in real life. Like there's no there's no barometer for feelings. Yeah, no no remorse for what, what? Which makes sense and he and Really Scott shows it visually in Denzel's eyes whenever he does something that's super dramatic and he just like Eat some snacks.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's this is about keeping the main thing the main thing. As long as it doesn't impede with my progress yeah. of my ultimate goal. It's a singular focus, right? Sure, I want others to you know my, my immediate around me to benefit. Any sociopath more or less will feel that way, but the the ultimate impact on society or whatever, those who are outside of mine, I don't really care. I only care about the well being of mine. And I'll do what I have to do to get there. Bribes. Murder. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.
0: What else we got? Is that it? Anything yep. Anything else we got? To?
1: Trivia? It's trivia time. So, Wen Fu Kwa was originally slated to direct this film.
0: He did Training Day. It's because he did Training Day. That's why.
1: No. Um. I wonder why it didn't happen. This film had a couple of. I mean, they, they, this project came to Denzel years prior, mm-hmm. and so things happened. in The studio they pulled they, they pulled the budget. I think originally when it was it was kind of getting set to jump off, and That's it went out of the money. shelf. Yeah, and then this producer uh, Ryan Brian Grazer, Grazer yeah, mm-hmm. he came back in, saw it, I think read the script, and then floated it to uh, to Ridley. He saw it and talked to Russell about it. And then got a hold of Denzel, and Denzel was kind of hesitant. But after they talked, he's like, "Is this really going to happen?" I mean, we tried it, tried it before, and he's like, "Yeah." And they're able to make it, make it a go.
0: Hmm. Um, really talks about how Harlem that he grew up in, or not grew up in. What am i talking about here, um, the Harlem that he lived in at the time. Um, when they shot it, he said it was disappearing. So it didn't look the same. It's like more like kind of gentrified. gentrified. for sure. And so they actually had to build a set, which is the diner that he was eating in, in one of the most spacious blocks to actually get that kind of vibe. It's kind of disappointing, you know, it's not that many brownstones, things like that.
1: Yeah. And the way of gentrification.
0: Uh, again, I mentioned this
1: before the, again, 1500 inflatable mannequins were used in the fight scene. They were dressed and had different faces uh, placed on them.
0: (laughs) Uh, Frank Lucas was making a million dollars a day in the late 60s and 70s. Insane. Nice. Uh, Richie's scenes with Russell Crowe were
1: actually shot first due to a scheduling conflict. And the editor was working on them um, kind of daily. And so that helped him kind of begin to put that narrative together and, and weave that to make it solid because we have these two, inter, you know, intertwining tales. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know really talks about just a frustration of a director is that you're kind of stuck with the film a bit longer than everyone else. But outside of that, he's right. it will be fine. Mm. Uh, Nick Pellegrini,
1: hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Of Goodfellas and Casino fame, mm-hmm. he's actually an executive producer on uh, on oh. this, and he's the one that introduced. Um, I think he introduced the writer to Richie. He introduced Steven Zalian to uh, to Richie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And may he may have introduced Richie. Uh, he may have introduced the writer to to Frank as well. Interesting. You know, he's into that that gangster
0: <laughs> lifestyle. Interesting. We're
1: studying it and writing about it at
0: least. That's all I have for trivia. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. Do your research. Um, there were over 50 hours of interviews between Robert Richie, Richie Roberts and Frank Lucas. So it was like two separate stories, basically, and they're trying to figure out how to merge. Yes, sir. Again, we alluded to this early, but multicam
1: setups might take a little longer to set up. But in the long run, it is quicker. It also helps the actors as well mm-hmm. because they can. Be engaged. And if you really have what you need, then you might be able to spare an extra take where they can, you know, flex a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, typically, the forty-five minute setup, two, three takes. Everybody good? We good? We good?
0: Moving on. Uh, Ridley talked about like when he's like in love with the script. So when he's in love with the script, he sticks to the script, doesn't change it. Um, what he's what he says. Uh, other filmmakers they sometimes change it and don't trust it. And that causes problems later on. But he says, you got to trust it. You know, if it's something that you enjoy reading in the first place, trust the words and stick with it. Cause he'll notice like people will try to change. Like let's take this. That's too graphic. Let's take that out. Let's do that. Let's change that. He's like, no, we got to fight for that. He calls it a blueprint. And he says that
1: you have to, you have to evolve with it. He, he uses that mm-hmm. term quite a bit throughout the commentary. Evolving, yeah. evolving, evolving with the, uh, with, with the script. Um, Pay attention to everybody in the scene. Mm-hmm. Instead of, as, you, as you plan for a scene, at times the tendency could be to, to think about your, your your main actors and them having their lines ready and prepared. But you can sometimes have the most trouble off that one person who has that one line, mm-hmm. not having focus enough on them to make sure that they're ready to hit their mark and that their line will be delivered you know, correctly within the context of what's needed. If you take care and you pay attention to that detail as yeah. well, things will be smoother. I think that's something he got maybe from Scorsese, uh, uh, possibly. May I mention that?
0: that um, that's one of the things that bites you in the butt. That how, how embarrassing is that? Is You know, you got Denzel that knows probably the whole script. And not just his line just knows the whole script. Right. And same thing with Roland, with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, they're just doing their thing. Then you got this one person like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh man, that's got to be embarrassing for everybody. Just yeah. for everybody. They said that it's one awkward. person that
1: you don't pay attention to, could come back and be the biggest, the biggest problem on set. But he also mentioned, really, also mentioned that he 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 enjoyed, he obviously enjoys working with Russell Crowe, but he, yeah. he also enjoyed working with Denzel because he shows up so prepared. He's off script. He said, "You'd be surprised at how many
0: mainstream actors will show up, not off script, not prepared, Why, not knowing really? their lines." Really? Who you throwing on the bus? Really? Come no, on! No. <laughs> probably because they have a drug habit. Oh, <laughs> alle- <laughs> we do like Desus and Marrow. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly,
1: uh, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was supposed to read this. I was rolling this. Very My bad. bad.
0: <laughs> Of a drug. Mm. Like
1: well, Jamie Foxx, uh, he said one time, he said, I don't, he goes, I don't, I don't, I don't like cocaine. I just like the smell of it.
3: I was like, what? That,
1: was, oh, that, that cracked me up. I was like, that's a genius, that's a genius joke. I don't, I don't like cocaine. I just like the smell of it. Like, oh, that's, that's genius. That is genius. Set up in punchline.
0: Boom really talks about when you work with the same actor cuz he worked with Ridley Ridley worked with Russell in Gladiator um and several things he says you can there's like a shorthand and you can be frank with the actor you don't have the bull crap you know you just get straight to it and get it done he was talking about a film that him and Leonardo DiCaprio were working on together what film was he referring to i wonder
1: yeah see i don't know cuz he's talking he's talking about having like projects lined up like Two, three, four, five, six, seven,
0: eight years into yeah. the future, like but, he's just like he so loves to work. Like he so, doesn't like to not work. He gets fidgety. So I want, have they worked together? I, I just thought maybe it popped in your head. I thought I, I, I something should be obvious, but I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I The Departed it. was it? The Departed was Russell calling The Departed? No, because Scorsese did that one, didn't he? The Departed. I don't remember. Um, Who did Shutter Island? Oh, uh, says did he? Yeah. Oh man, that was a pretty awesome film. Score says he was digging Leonardo for a little while.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. What is this? There's something
0: called. He said, "What is this? A good, a good year." Huh. That sounds familiar. What year? What year was that? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Reginald's
1: was doing quick uh, roll on snare.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's
1: see. Yeah, let me just go ahead and click, click on that and see what. Uh...
0: And while we're speaking about tropes, Denzel Washington moves into this house and it says so he takes a sold sign down and then his white affluent neighbors are looking at him and he points at him like <laughs> and then mm. they're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs>
1: hmm. Now, see, this was something that they did apparently. Like, this was before American Gangster, because this is 2006.
0: So maybe, no, impossible. But let's see who's let's see who's in this. So it came out in 2006. Yeah,
1: he's playing, playing some kind of investor.
0: And is Leonardo DiCaprio in there too? No, see, I don't see him in it. This was okay. something
1: that was, uh, he played some kind of British investor. Nah, that's, or, or at least it's about a, a British investor, so no, that's not okay. That's not it. Let's see this filmography, really. Now I'm, now I'm curious. Ridley? You
0: going going Google Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio in film, question mark. that that uh yes, yeah, I wouldn't, mm, yeah, that might be easier to do, it seemed like that would have been a smash hit though, if they were in it, but what would they do?
1: I don't know, really he's, he's had some uh some not so great ones, uh the counselor mm-hmm. yeah, twenty thirteen I mean that one that one was a hard flop, uh exodus gods and kings,
0: ooh, he did that. Yeah. Uh I didn't get a chance. I never watched. Come on, whitewash. I just I, I didn't mean. know Ridley was in the whitewashing business. Yeah, man. That was uh that, that's on his plate.
1: Uh Robin Hood, two thousand ten Robin Hood.
0: Robin Hood has just been that story has just been... how many times do you wanna tell that? Uh who was leading in that one? Remember Jimmy Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it was Russell Crowe Robin Hood. Oh Lord. He had a
1: short he had a, in the crop. Short, shorter hair oh lord uh, let's see Body of Lies who was in this
0: what year was that one 2008 hmm. yep Leonardo DiCaprio there we go was we found one? it Russell Crowe we found Mark it Mark Strong was it a flop um I, I never heard of it
1: seven oh god 70 million dollar budget um US gross thirty nine million. Ooh, yuck. Uh, total worldwide one hundred and fifteen million. Yuck. On a seventy million dollar budget. Yuck. So once you add in that P and A, that you know barely Yeah, you gotta at least get your budget
0: back in domestically.
1: Uh, it says a CIA agent on the ground in Jordan hunts down a powerful terrorist leader while being caught between the unclear intentions of his American supervisors and in Jordan intelligence I'm, I'm I am interested in seeing what's about cause I, I like Leonardo in, in action based roles and yeah this is
0: 2008 wow that's the one he was referring to yeah lord so yeah alright itch
1: scratched of lies mm-hmm. so uh, tips one thing that really said you alluded to this earlier movies are something that you can watch and then disregard mm-hmm. but he says he tries to make films things that will stick with you a year from now a couple years from now after you watch it you, you think about it you may want to go and purchase it mm-hmm. and own it and keep it yeah watch special features see how it's made maybe listen to the commentary yep but yeah, really Scott aspires to uh-huh. always be a
0: filmmaker. Doesn't mean everything's going to work, but... A movie is pulp. discardable. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. He broke that down a little bit. I was like, okay, I can dig that. Um, yeah, he said like, he revisited it like a good book. And that's kind of true. Like, when I think about Jackie Brown, I like having that one just kind of just playing in the background. That's, that's like a little cool film. To just, it's just chilling. Mm. See, to me...
1: Again, I come about Watchmen. Yeah, it's a it's 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 time. I, I gotta watch it again. It's been it's been a it's
0: time. Tiktok, Tiktok, Tiktok.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if you had come up to Denzel and said,
0: <laughs> "Give me a minute." <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> That's the, <laughs> spin, 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 spin. I was like that's terrible to be known for like I know him from that film I don't really know him from anything else but he's always in stuff the way
1: he was lit you know what I'm saying like you kind of glistening <laughs> like sweating from this whole intense run-in with the future lady and the android yeah but the cyborg cyborg right Terminator's a cyborg yeah there we go yeah as a cyborg um and then getting shot like that's a hell of a day yeah and then now he's, he's planning to blow himself up and, and leave his, his, his son fatherless. No. Knowing that he created something, right? Another successful black man taken down by the future. <laughs> it was a great invention. Well, That's, this is going to destroy the world. It's always a no, twist. No, black man. Always a twist. No.
0: Blame it on the black man. And wasn't he, what film was he in prior? The brother from another
1: planet. Full circle. That's some art house stuff. Dude. I'm, I'm, it is so weird. I saw it as a kid. It
0: still sticks with me. That's film. That's cinema, my friend. And we rap we're gonna find a trailer for that. Okay, he's got it's
1: gotta, gotta at least see the trailer. you are like what? I think what? I
0: remember seeing it, like in Blockbuster the um cover. Uh-huh. And I was like, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm kinda scared to watch it now. I'm like, I don't know, man. It was was just Is that weird? It's so weird, dude. It's so weird. But it's yeah, man. It it got kinda kinda has whiz like the whiz vibes to it. Ooh yeah Ooh. and I like The Wiz man I really do The Wiz and, is creepy and now I'm looking at watching it again especially after this book I'm reading because there's a lot of socioeconomical things that it's speaking to so now I want to watch it again I think it's gonna get in the woke yeah it's gonna it's gonna show it's, it's crazy it's like the different. more that you
0: know the more things like hit differently as you get older You're yeah like, oh. the
1: perspectives of where somebody else was coming from and their intention like it wasn't just a this isn't just about remaking The Wizard of Oz right this is a socio thing you know why? why you know why does this look so different? You know, the, yeah. Like, it's not lollipop kids, it's these, these kids from kind of like the, the hood, you know, yeah. and, you know, Dorothy's a grown woman, she's a school teacher, and, you know, again, the whole thing with the, uh, the, the scarecrow, mm-hmm. and the crows, you, you know, can't mm-hmm, the crow 10 commandments, <laughs> y'all ain't, never gonna get out of this hippo, <laughs> it's
0: like, whoa, what is, yeah, anyway, it's dark. Yeah, it is dark. Yeah, it, that's got a spirit on it. I don't know what spirit's on it, but it's got something in it. And mm. it's alive. Mm. I remember as a kid just feeling, I was
1: like, I looked inside and said, I like what I see.
0: <laughs> I
1: could laugh.
0: <laughs> I could smile. And Dorothy was played by Diana Ross. She just looked horrified in the film. Like when, I remember as a kid watching it, I was like, she looks petrified she's got she's got she has acting chops she does but I'm just saying before because as a kid think the f- movie is real it's, <laughs> oh yeah I, I, <laughs> you think it's really happening so I'm just like oh my god and the music and uh,
1: so in that that same song again um, Nipsey Russell not to be confused with Nipsey Hussle Nipsey Russell oh the actor <laughs> as he's singing that song as the tin man Mm-hmm. In this rundown carnival, man, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to rewatching this. A-ding.
3: A-ding. A-ding. A-ding.
1: But when he's singing, you know, yeah. Oh, tell me what, and all of a sudden it cuts to these these this black decor of these three women that are like part of the decoration, and their eyes open and they say, What? That is <laughs> that part is creepy because because it, it happens so quick. Oh, tell me what? Cut. What? What would? I? And when it happens it cuts to them their eyes open and they yeah. say what they close and then it cuts to to the scarecrow yeah. and he's like he's like, Jump, like what was that the scarecrow yeah. jumped yeah. the scarecrow got scared <laughs> like, Whoa. oh tell me oh what, like, Whoa, what? <laughs> it's, it's just a little bit you're like huh? it keeps you on edge <laughs> and my dad took that we, he, we we had the album my dad took the album took the inner cover and posted it in my room scared the crap out of me man came home from first grade one day ah
3: Back to tips.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is tangent in tips. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm
0: trying to there's... So uh, really, Scott talks about um, his research as a director. And he says, when I arrive, I know exactly what I want to do. And people are surprised. People are surprised on how quickly he works, um, but that's that's part of researching. He also talks about like knowing his locations. He goes on the location scouts, and um, he walks it with the actors. So it's like like kind like a shorthand. They'll walk it, meaning like blocking, and then um, I guess you know depending on the actor, they'll probably go over the lines while they're walking and stuff like that. And you know, and we like we we uh, learn from like a uh, alien, know, like Sigourney Weaver, you know. I'm trying to remember if she... I don't think she liked to rehearse.
1: And right, she wants to be in the moment.
0: She wants to be in the moment. And so they're saving that energy for that moment. And so um, he'll say, we'll walk it. And then if they, you ready to shoot, let's go. Two takes. Yep. Usually two takes and moving on. Mm-hmm. And then just his
1: knowledge of knowing,
0: because he talked about also in Alien
1: how most of that was was uh, handicam. Yeah. Because that that gave a... Uh, psychological mm-hmm. uh, aspect to the film, and like right. almost like you know this 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 life this you know breathing, and the only time like he put something on the dolly was during the the corridor scene where she's trying to escape, and yeah, and it was just too heavy to hold the camera, right? But in, in other scenes where you have the camera moving, he mentioned his first film, The Duelist.
0: Oh, I didn't see that one. Did you? I feel? haven't seen
1: it either. I want I want to find it though. Now mm-hmm. cause he mentions how that one's like it's like real smooth, like mm-hmm. the camera movements. Maybe everything's on a dolly. I don't know, but I was like. Hmm, fascinating but that's his Mm -hmm. that's his first okay Um, but yeah he definitely uh, leaned into into that and uh, one just interesting thought either he said this or the writer said this in the commentary I think it was the writer actually says you know do you in your in your script do you do you show share slash write about the event that happened or the fallout from the event that happened Hmm. so for example when when Richie comes, he gets a knock at the door. He comes to his door and there's a woman there mm-hmm. saying that she's there for their appointment as he has a, a flight stewardess making out with him on, the, on her way out. And there's a whole scene written out where she comes in and she, she's with Child, I think like Child Protective yeah. Services or, or whatever organization. Um, she's sitting there by the court basically. To see if he's fit to have a kid there. Exactly. And there's a whole scene that's written for an actual interview and she's asking about his life. But instead of showing and shooting that, you then cut to uh-huh. him at his at his friend's place, who's a, who's a in essence a wise guy who he grew up with, uh-huh. and he's merely relaying to him, yes, yeah, so he interviewed with me and said, and your name came up, and you know he and this guy's the godfather to his son, and he's yeah. basically in essence asking him to kind of just kind of back back down so he can look better, you know, in court. Uh-huh. And so instead of showing the interview, they're showing the fallout from the interview yeah and so at times those decisions have to be made in scripts do you shoot do you write and shoot the event or the fallout from the event it's interesting
0: yeah and that would slow it down if they did the interview that would be a little more boring Um,
1: it's a dialogue heavy film yeah but there's, there's like there's decisions to make right like do you show Frank going to Vietnam absolutely Right. Yeah. Not just saying that he went, I went and set up this deal. No, you show him there flying
0: yeah. and going and, over there. And even like when they're walking, like, for example, Denzel Washington is walking with his family. Franklin Chris is walking with his family and he's explaining, you know, the the branding and everything like that. But they're walking. There's action going on. You know, it doesn't stop. It's like this thing just keeps moving. So that this long film doesn't feel long. It is. It, always something going on. Yeah, there's no dead, there's no dead space, even mm-hmm. when they're, when
1: they're scoping out and spying. I mean, there, there are a lot of setups, you know, within it, but really talked about the way you get through that is just, you, you have to know that script so well mm-hmm. and know, I mean, you, you know, in that call sheet, you've got to know, okay, we've got X amount of scenes that happen here and, boom set up set up set up set up set up set up to get this all right he's going in and out in and out exclamation all right just change have him go up and down up and down all right change and just you know capture all that in that location while you can
0: to think they had this done in like basically like two and a half months
1: that's a ma- <laughs> that's a master that's a master filmmaker yeah right there dear god but the editing, all again, they they the editor was there working on it mm. as well, and again, they they shot all the Russell Crowe stuff first, and so he was working on building that story, mm. and so that way, once then once Frank came in, he was able to to, to blend and balance it and, and, and oh, marry see. it all together. So that was a uh, a happy storm, happy medium, I should say, or in a perfect storm. There we go. Um.
0: So, uh, really, like you were talking about the evolving as a director, and the art itself has evolved. He uh, were just talking about now you don't have to show the person turning the knob, walking into the door, and you're following them. You can kind of just cut that part out and go right to the action. And that's just over the years, the audience is becoming more sophisticated. Some stuff you don't even have to show anymore.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. He also he had a, a nice part where he talked about. Trying to avoid sentiment, sentimentality,
2: mm-hmm.
1: see, and he 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 defines sentimentality as unearned emotion, whether that be from a specific scene in a in mm-hmm. a movie or from music.
0: we know who the cheater is?
1: George Lucas, Spielberg, Spielberg. That's right, Spielberg. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. People often yeah, he gets flack about about <laughs> taking out the heartstrings
0: what movie was it was watching? It was one that we covered and they just like the music, like they were just forcing it. I'm like, it's not romantic, but okay. Uh, 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 uh Sentiment oh, or like saving the cat, you know, like that, like it, like Blake Snyder's book, save the cat. It's like, it's just a device you used to be like, Oh, he's a good guy.
1: Yeah. But he uh, really says he tries to, he tries to avoid that, the, the, the emotion that it has to be earned. He doesn't like when, I'm a things fan. happen,
0: and emotion has not been earned. I agree. Well, what scene was he saying a specific scene, or just just something he was saying?
1: It may have been. It was. It was. It was in relation to talking about the music in mm-hmm. the film. Ah, uh. is is when he when he mentioned it? And some, it's some of the the score that was being done because like Frank kind of has his own theme that comes in a couple times throughout
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and even in talking about some of the music some of the like the um, in talking about like hip hop he talked about like how like rock and roll and sometimes hip hop different kinds of music can, can can manipulate like how you feel mm-hmm. he said, I don't mean in a negative way but like it can it can directly influence how you feel heck yeah and so he talks about just again he, he likes things that Again, that earn the emotion that they 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 build mm. up along the way. And so he like he mentions he 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 still listens to a lot of classical music, mm. you know, the
0: Bach and Mozart. I think he said sorry, when he talked about Bach. Yeah. yeah. that's a debate. Oh, as far as like what? Like, Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, whatever. For as far as like classical, who's the best and what do you oh, listen okay, to? Okay
1: among, amongst them I got that I was like a yeah. like, controversy
0: like <laughs> somebody saying, no,
1: Bach didn't really write it? No, I, okay. Um
0: Shout out to Beethoven. That's yeah. a brother. Oh Next. (laughs) Beethoven is the homie? Yes.
1: What is it about Beethoven that...
0: That makes him black. Is he black?
1: You mean mean he's actually black? Yeah. Really?
0: (laughs) Wow. How about that? All right. (laughs) Okay. Cool.
1: (laughs) Cool. Uh, Beethoven.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Didn't we do that? Black people do stuff too.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, I will agree. Let me make, let me make sure I got that right. Um, I, I did not know, but I'm I'm happy to know. yeah so it's been a debate so it uh, it started like trending and because there's a black version there's like a black face uh, like a darker version of Beethoven and then there's a light version that's kind of been the history version that we've seen um, kind of like uh, like the queen who's the the black queen uh, Queen Charlotte yes kind of like that where like oh all you have is these paintings so like the 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 artist has control over what these people look like. Sure,
1: lighten them up. Yeah,
0: so if they're mixed or they do come from, you know, African descent, you know, they they tend not to show that or make their skin lighter or their hair may be frizzy or it's like it's like certain characteristics that's in there, but they it's kind of they've been whitewashed, and so the Beethoven situation popped up during when everybody all of a sudden got woke during the George Floyd thing (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so I was like wait a second you know so I just found out Uh, but I haven't done my research all the way to be like let's look into this further but um, that's been on that's been a topic for years about Beethoven's race anyhow what were we talking
1: about before interesting but yeah, just the music, sentimentality, <laughs> and uh, really he tries, to avoid, he tries to avoid it and just to make sure that that everything is is earned, emotions and, and payoffs and so on and so on.
0: So have two cameras going on at the same time. So there's a scene where we see Josh Brolin. He opened, The doorbell rings He open his door and there's a turkey in a cage you know, for Thanksgiving. And then he looks over to his um, left and he sees his car, uh, Shelby, I believe that's the, the car. And, which is also in Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm-hmm. Shelby, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh Josh Brolin's character is looking at the car and then it just blows up. And then we see his reaction. He's like, jump, he jumped. But, uh, really Scott said he, they didn't let him know that it was rigged. And yeah. so they got the cameras going. So that's a real reaction. Real
1: reaction. Like,
0: oh, so tricky.
1: Yeah, we know that really will sometimes push his actors' buttons to get certain visceral reactions. Uh, last tip I have is uh, actually from the writer. He says, you know, uh, and, and basically this, don't forget to annotate your script if it's based upon uh, real events or real people just so it can be prepared, prepared for errors and omissions. Oh, dear God. I bet that was brutal. He said it actually wasn't that bad. He said he had, like, the... the the meetings that he had with Richie and with Frank, mm. he said he went through and he he um, transcribed those those interviews. Uh, he said that took weeks for both of those. Lord, yeah, weeks of just transcribing those interviews that he recorded, and then set, set around for another like six weeks just trying to process his thoughts, and then had his first dry, draft like six months later. He said. I was kind of ashamed to say this, but it took me like six months to get that first draft out. Lord. But he had so much. He had. He said he had an embarrassment of information, embarrassment of riches, an abundance of information. But yeah, he had to annotate like every person, like every quote. Where did this come from? Every location. Where? Where, where is this a real location or is this made up? He had to have it all documented.
0: You can use the news to tell the story of like what time in history, because I think the. Only time we see a date says nineteen sixty eight, which is like the beginning of the film. But throughout this whole time we don't know how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. And they show time passing by. You notice Denzel's hair kinda of changing throughout. But the main thing is they always have like some news, kinda of like what's going on in the war, is the war over? And that's our way of seeing change. Yeah, that's a good point. What else you got? I yeah, think that's it, I think. Yeah, that's all my my tips as well. There was a scene that was playing in my head. I was like, what? It was a good scene. I don't remember. Oh, well. Two hours. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We had some tangents. True. True. We had a lot of tangents. Yeah, that's a fact. It's the energy drink. (laughs) 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 Um, okay, so what what are we going to be checking in next time?
1: Next time on Filmmaker Commentary, we will dive into the 80s pop, noir, classic, RoboCop.
0: That was one of my favorites back in the day.
1: Oh, yeah. It had a video game, too. Yes, it did. <laughs> it's, this is gritty, man. When was the last time you saw RoboCop?
0: year the, when I saw it. <laughs> As a child. Oh. I mean, but it was so graphic that like, it was like ingrained in my brain. So I'm just like, it's so brutal that I'm done. I'm, you know, one and done. Yeah, it'll be just as brutal <laughs> as you remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I got it real, soon, I was like, oh, wh- whoa. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> RoboCop is next on Filmmaker Commentary. And you can catch us where? Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. You can also... Like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us also on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I am at Smith 32 Also, connect with us on Instagram um, at Filmmaker Commentary. You know, again, you can also follow Reginald Titus on Instagram at Reginald Titus Jr. That's Jr. And again, I'm also at Smith 32
0: Until next time, peace. Respect.